you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman hi everybody happy almost spring happy march i hope you're happy I am feeling so happy that the sun is out, that warm weather is on its way here in New York this weekend. I feel alive for the very first time in, well, maybe since last summer. No, 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 not to be so extreme, but I am a warm weather person. And between spring's arrival and my recent trip to California, where I was able to work with a client in Los Angeles and then go to San Diego with my family, soak up the sun, walk on the beach, take some hikes, have meetings with my client over dinner. I mean, it was a little more casual than I typically work, but it was so inspiring and invigorating to see a whole nother landscape to design for a whole different type of house and look and aesthetic and vibe. And ah, sometimes change is very, very good. I'm sure you understand. And I hope that you are feeling good wherever you are. Well, you guys have sent me some great questions. And if you have burning questions, don't forget, it is so easy to submit to me and get free advice. All you have to do is go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Scroll down just a little bit down the page, right before you see all the yummy show notes and pictures and YouTube links, right before you see all of that, there's a little button that says, ask Betsy your question. And you just submit this very quick form that, you know, has all the information you want me to share, maybe some pictures if you want me to show those. Pictures are always really helpful to illustrate the situations that you're going through. So I can give you advice that you can immediately apply versus something more general. But share with me whatever you have, because I'm just so excited to see what you guys are working on. All right, without further ado, I'm going to reach in my mailbag. My first question today comes from Sabrina. Sabrina writes, Hi, Betsy. I live in New York City. I have to buy window curtains and rods. Where do you buy this? Beep. (laughs) I think I want a double curtain rod, but I am overwhelmed. West Elm, Target, Home Depot, and then the curtains. I want beautiful, beautiful drapey, heavy material. But am I insane? 
I was thinking velvet, but then I ordered samples off Etsy and they are cheap AF. Curtain and curtain rod suggestions, please. Help! Sabrina, I'm happy to help. All right. First of all, I like the Cambria Collection rods and you can get those at Bed Bath & Beyond. The reason I like the Cambria Collection rods, and I typically go with their classic complete brand or line, the reason I like those rods is because they have um, a wide array of finials, which are the decorative end caps that you can add. They also have a wide array of sizes. The price point is great. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I hate rods that are under one inch in diameter. Anything under one inch in diameter is not a rod. It's like a pencil. It's like a dowel. It's lame and looks scrawny and really shouldn't be holding up anything besides a tapestry. I don't know. Definitely not heavy velvet drapes. So you're going to want to make sure that when you purchase a rod, you get at least one inch in diameter or thicker, especially with those heavy, heavy drapes. Now you want a double rod. And I do want to challenge that. If you've read my book in chapter nine, you will see things that I hate, right? You will see the naughty word list and shears, the thing that you would hang on that second rod, the rod that's inside, then you'd hang those thick velvet drapes on the outside. Shears are like granny pennies for your window. They're ill-fitting, blousey. Sometimes they even flop out from behind the drape. They just look bad. And they add a lot of volume. You are already going to have a lot of volume with these thick velvet drapes. So when you're adding another bulk of fabric behind it, it's just going to be a lot of density. Are you sure you want to do that? Instead, you know... Well, let me, before I say instead, let me just say the one time when I do like to use shears as well as a drape. I'll use shears as well as a drape if I need blackout sometimes, or, you know, if I want things to be very dark sometimes, but I also want privacy and translucency. So sometimes I want the light to come through, but I don't want people to see me. That's when I would draw just the shears. And sometimes if I'm watching a movie or if I have a guest over trying to sleep, or if it's my primary bedroom, I would shut the drapes to get that blackout or darker effect. That is one way to do it. And it's nice and affordable. But I tend instead to do blinds. Blinds give me the ability to manipulate and transfuse the light and determine if I want some privacy, some light diffusion. I prefer a blind. And then in front, you would put that velvet drape. You would manipulate the blind when you want to manipulate the light. But when you want that blackout or darkness, you just shut the drapes. So that's my preference because I do understand that you want to control the type of light and you want to make sure to have different experiences throughout the day depending on what you're doing. Makes perfect sense, but I think having the double rod with the drapes and shears is just too much fabric. But you've decided to do drapes and shears. I've given you the Cambria Collection classic complete line. Uh, I also like Crate and Barrels. Uh, rods. West Elm is fine, but a little pricey. Um, Pottery Barn is really nice, but again, very pricey. 
So if you're looking for that really good value and nice diameter rod with a lot of different um, capabilities because they have L brackets, they have extension rods with this line, they have inside mount brackets. I just love this line for so many reasons. You'll want to head over to Bed Bath & Beyond and check those out. The second half of your question is about where to get great velvet drapes. High quality, great velvet drapes are going to be very expensive. You're going to want to look at places like Restoration Hardware, right? Where you get that top of the line experience. You get several velvets to choose from. You could also look at Smith & Noble because they have a wide range of different fabrics that come in different categories in terms of price point and luxuriousness. Is that a word? Luxuriousness? Uh, so you'd look there for more selection and to get that premium quality product. Additionally, with Smith & Noble, you could get a wide variety of samples. If you're looking for a more affordable price point that still has fairly good quality, I would look at Pottery Barn. I tend, when I'm shopping for drapes, to look at places like Overstock, Wayfair. If you are on a budget, you may try some of them at those retailers because they do have a wide variety to choose from. So you could make sure to read the reviews, make sure to read the weight, uh, look at those different things as you're considering whether to purchase. But I also love working with those retailers because of their free returns policy. No harm, no foul. It just takes you a little extra time to order those, see if you like them, but you may save hundreds of dollars going that route. Sabrina, now I've answered all your questions. Now you're all set. And again, you'll keep us posted. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. My next question today comes from B. B is writing us from Texas. She says, hi, Betsy. I'm not sure what kind of lighting fixtures see the red dots in the floor plans I'm attaching in these areas would make it cohesive with the whole house, especially because it has an open plan layout. They are wired for light fixtures and not can lights or recess lights. The green dots in the image represent those can lights or recess lights. I will include images of what I'm eyeing to give you a little bit of an idea of my aesthetic. I'm looking for transitional and minimalistic. 
aiming for light and airy. As much as I like fabric shades, I need to eliminate them due to other more important reasons. I plan on a lighter, honey-colored wood look tile for the whole house. I really like Studio McGee's style. The living room will have a ceiling fan with a light in the middle or a fandelier. I'm thinking to use a double sconce, see the photo, as a wall light above the 33-inch sink. Really, I'm trying to have an all-white kitchen with brass gold cabinet hardware. White is timeless and a black island, but I have heard that black is going to show more dirt and more smudges, so I might consider leaving them white as in the photo. I am open to your suggestions. Thanks, Betsy. It is always fun listening to your podcast. All right, B. I'm going to start with the second part of your question first. I'm looking at the imagery that you sent me, and everyone, if you want to look at the imagery that B sent me, you can head right over to our YouTube channel, Affordable Interior Design. Once you're there, while you're looking at the different questions, you can see the images that people have provided. And sometimes when they don't provide images, I pop in my very own. So go over there and check out what I'm talking about if you're having a hard time visualizing or just if you want to see what I look like when I'm recording, right? I always love seeing what my favorite podcasters look like. I'm always so surprised that it was nothing like what I thought they were going to look like. They always look fabulous, right? But I'll imagine like Phoebe Judge from Criminal. Do any of you listen to Phoebe Judge from Criminal? Because I had this whole persona in my mind. I've been listening to her for years. And then I went on YouTube or something, somewhere she directed us to go check out one of her interviews. I could not believe it. I mean, she's just as pretty as I thought she would be, but she's blonde. Watching her talk was just so different than how I thought her mouth would form the words. I know that sounds silly, but as a visual learner, whenever I'm listening to something, I've always got a picture in my mind that I'm associating with it in order to make it feel more real or in order for me to have a more rich experience with the listening material. So I'm always surprised. I'm like, whoa, who would have guessed? All right. Anyway, um, now that you've had time to go on our YouTube channel while I talked about Phoebe Judge, uh, let me dig back into this question. So yes, I'm hearing that you're wanting a transitional minimal look. And I would say that many of the fixtures that I'm seeing here, all of the dining fixtures, the ceiling fans are not giving me any sort of transitional vibe. They are super contemporary. I am seeing the minimalist. There's no question about that but I am not seeing the transitional. Where I do see the transitional is in your pictures for the kitchen. The pendants with the glass, the clear glass, whether it's the teardrop globe or the sort of um, cylindrical glass shade, those two feel very transitional to me. My concern is that those two have a silver metal finish from what I can derive from your image. And you mentioned to me that you want to go with gold or brass, right? Now, I will say, as much as I love the Studio McGee aesthetic, I do think it's very trendy. I think that black, white farmhouse with some woven material, um, the high contrast, sort of sort of transitional, but really more contemporary style look, I think that's going to be out very, very soon. So I would be mindful of that, not as you make decor choices, because decor is meant to be swapped out. You can add trends. It is really part of what I love about my job is evolving my space with the times. 
But when you're making renovation decisions, I want you to avoid trendy looks. I want you to think about something timeless. You mentioned that you think a white on white on white kitchen is timeless. And I beg to differ, B. I guess I could also be called B because I'm Betsy, but B, B E E, I don't like a white on white on white kitchen. And the reason I don't care for that is because if the cabinets are white, the tile is white, the countertops are white. Those things are not going to match. They're not going to be the exact same white. So none of them are going to look pure white. And over time, wooden cabinets tend to yellow. So that white tone over time in the sun will yellow. And then it's certainly not going to look like white on white on white. It's going to look like cream on white on white. But again, even the tile and the countertops, which will not fade and hopefully not stain, they are also not going to be exactly the same. Also, when you choose things that don't have any contrast, like white on white on white, when you squint, it all appears to be a similar tone. They do not look like you made any choices. It looks like you went to the white store and said, I'll take everything you got. And I want you to look like you made designerly choices. I want this space to look sophisticated. I want this space to have visual interest. It doesn't mean you have to do something loud. It doesn't mean you have to do something over the top, but it does mean that you need to make curated choices that look like they came from different places, not just the white store. I love the idea of doing an island that's a different color than the cabinets in the kitchen. And I think black is a really good look. I don't think with cabinetry, it shows everything. If you were choosing a rug, sofa upholstery, a chair upholstery, even a bath mat, I would totally steer you away from black because you can see every piece of lint, every hair. But I myself have a black countertop. It does have some stippling in it, some different colors that are kind of modeled in there, but I can't see anything. It's kind of what I don't like about my kitchen. I didn't choose the countertops. Um, I don't like that I can't see if it's dirty or clean. It's very tricky. I sort of have to rub my hand along it to see if there's any schmutz. So I do like the idea of a black, especially with that Studio McGee aesthetic. You just want to be careful, as I mentioned, Studio McGee's a little trendy right now. You want to be careful that if you repaint your cabinets in time or if you're painting your cabinets white and they used to be something else, bear in mind that painted cabinets can easily chip if it's not done very professionally and very well with the right finish of paint. So make sure that you drill your painter and make sure that they're very knowledgeable before you start painting your cabinetry because I want it to be durable and stand the test of time. And it sounds like you do too. All right, let's look at this floor plan now because you mentioned that you're kind of doing a mix of recessed lights and of pendants or chandeliers or even flush mounts. And I think that's a great idea. Above a dining table, I always recommend a pendant or a chandelier, whether it's linear, whether it's an orb. I just think that it adds the wow factor. Even if you have an open living dining combo, it can really formalize the dining area, making it feel quite separate, making it feel 
just different energetically, even if it's in the same space. Yours is separate, even though there aren't any walls. So it's quite open, but it is a separate area. So I definitely recommend a chandelier with some wow factor, especially because this is right off the foyer. So when I walk into your home, I come down just a little ways along the hallway. I look to the right and there's the wow. I think the ones that you sent me in your picture do not bring the wow. They're nice, they're fine, but I wish it was a little bit more hmm, powerful, unexpected. The ones that you're showing me, whether it's the Sputnik, whether it's kind of the very minimal candelabra style with the arms and just one bulb, I just think this isn't going to stop anybody in their tracks. And I think you can do minimal in a very aesthetically um, sophisticated way. So I'd want you to go back to the drawing board on that because I really believe that the dining fixture needs to be a stunner. Let's look back at your floor plan. Uh, the kitchen pendants are a great opportunity to do something interesting. And I liked both of the transitional ones that you showed me. But remember, I don't mix cool and warm metals. So they cannot be in a silver finish. They need to be in that brass or they need to be in that sort of gold. Or, you know, I do mix black metals with brass. So you could consider mixing your metals and bringing in a dark metal finish with your warm metal finish. Then it looks like in the family room, there's kind of a window seat and you're thinking about putting a pendant above the banquette in the window seat. And I think that's a really fun idea. Do people really sit in a window seat? Question mark. If you really sit in your window seat all the time, please write to me. Please go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast and let me know. But so many of my clients want this decadent, amazing window seat. They get all these cushions custom upholstered. Maybe they even pop out their window and add a bay window just for that purpose. And then they find that they never sit there because typically it's in a room with a sofa or an armchair. And they find that the sofa and the armchair are more comfortable because they have, you know, more of a back, more of that formalized seating. Anyway, I find that the window seat is most commonly used by the pets. Just putting that out there. Uh, and then you have in the hallway some flush mounts or things like that. In the entryway, that foyer, I love a semi-flush. A semi-flush is a fixture that comes down from the ceiling roughly between like 8 and 18 inches. Now, you do want to make sure that if you have 8-foot ceilings or less, you know, you need 7 feet between the bottom of the fixture and the floor. So you want to do the math on that to make sure that your semi-flush doesn't come down too low because we don't want anyone feeling like they're going to hit their head when they walk into your home. But I love that small drop in a foyer because it really adds a level of sophistication and makes the foyer feel different than what you'll experience as you walk down the hall. In the hall or the gallery, as it's called on your floor plan, I would use a flush mount, something tight to the ceiling, um, something that looks good with both the dining chandelier because it's right next to it and the entry or foyer fixture. And then I do love mixing the recessed lights with overhead fixtures. I think that recessed lights provide you with a lot of opportunities in terms of additional illumination in pockets where you may not have a table lamp or floor lamp. 
My concern with recess lights is I don't ever like them to be directly over my head when I'm sitting either eating at a dining table or sitting on a sofa. So I always like to make the furniture plan first and then determine where the recess lights are going because I don't want to be in an interrogation room. I don't want them directly over me as I'm trying to relax. It feels uncomfortable, even if they are on a full range dimmer, which they certainly should be. I just don't want them directly overhead as I'm trying to, as my son says, chillax. Well, I hope that gave you some inspiration for your home in Texas, B. Write in and let us know what you decide. I'm excited to see your new lighting mood board once you've listened to this episode. Everyone, it's been so good talking to you again this week. You already know where to reach me. You already know where to send in your questions. One thing I might ask, As you're doing some spring cleaning and listening to additional episodes, if you're so inclined, I would really love for you to write us a review. It's been a while and I would love to attract new listeners. The very best way to attract new listeners is to have them see new, fresh reviews, but also you can recommend this to your friends because they're probably your friends, your family are spring cleaning right now too. And while we're sweeping the floors, purging the closets, doing all that jazz, we might as well be listening to some fun podcasts. All right, everyone. Until next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.